Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, long time no see, buddy. LJ, very nice to be to have us both back to recap this weekend that was the second to last weekend in the MLB season, at least the regular season, that is. And we had the conclusion of Yankees-Red Sox, another Sunday night game that just comes through. Uh, I don't know what it is, LJ, every Sunday night game, and it's not just because it's on ESPN and, you know, the it's brighter lights, some might say. The games just end up being so entertaining every Sunday. I mean, it feels like I've, I've had something to watch on Sunday nights for a long time now uh, where I know that I turn on the game, there's going to be something entertaining. Of course, it's the Yankees and Red Sox that happens to be the biggest series of the season for at least the Yankees. And it was, I mean, I'm certainly happy with the result. Uh, LJ was there. He can, he can go a little bit more in depth on, what the atmosphere was like certainly prior to talking about the game, but uh, LJ, I'd have to imagine it was as close to a sellout. If it wasn't a sellout as you can get tonight. It was 36 in change. The place holds 37. Yeah. I think think 37 is very liberal. It's like rounded up because there wasn't a single spot that you could put somebody. And I know for a fact, seeing they started sell, they started selling the student nines at about 10 PM last night. So like they were, they were sure to pack the place. So I don't think there was a standing room ticket left. So that's gotta be, it, it, it is capacity. The only, only people that only seats that wouldn't have been filled were like the three people that didn't find somebody or didn't remember that they had season tickets. Yeah, uh, that's, I'm not sure. the people who don't remember they have uh, season tickets. Geez, this was a rough one to miss. Uh, but we should talk a little bit about actually Saturday's game first, as I did not get your reaction to that. I did on my show today, I praised, of course, Stanton for the big grand slam that's you know the play of the game but lj i wanted to think i uh, hear how you thought luis severino pitched where the yankees bring this guy in and one of the highest leverage points of our season so far up two to one in the seventh inning or down two to one in the seventh inning excuse me and he just comes in and just just looks like it, it, it's you know 2018 all over again uh I was really impressed with him this is not an easy lineup to to navigate whatsoever especially when you guys have a Kike in there and now that we have a leadoff hitter (laughs) yeah now that you know you guys switched up the lineup Renfro second I actually don't mind because I know he's picked it up lately but yeah LJ 
Sevy returns for the Yankees in that game. Darwin's and Hernandez, I know you added some choice words with. Uh... All right. Well, I'll start with Severino. I, it is a really bright, bright thing to do. If you're not going to try to put this guy in the rotation for the playoffs, it is a bright thing to put him in every high leverage situation you can get him in. There's just no spot in our rotation for him. <laughs> Um, well, there's no reason to take the risk. Yeah. What I what I say is when you're dealing with that caliber of pitcher, those types of ones and twos, they're able to pitch in the big moment. True yeah. one, true two. He's able to pitch in big moments, high leverage games, high leverage situations and jams they've usually gotten themselves into. So that's no different out of the bullpen. What could have been different is his form. Now, his pitching has been very good technically, very good. Sometimes you're going to have that. You're not always, when you've got a guy coming back from a major injury, going to get his best baseball right from the get-go, but you know he's going to be able to handle the moment. And so even if he didn't look brilliant in the start, even if he, even if he looked downright terrible, he would have felt, he would have looked like he's in the moment. I think that's important. As for yeah. Hernandez, that was possibly the worst display of pitching I've ever seen. Behind, second, I'm sorry, second worst. The Brooks Krisky meltdown still. I mean, I was actually in there, in there in person for the Brooks Krisky meltdown, which I just don't think you can really like, I don't think I can describe what that was like like i genuinely thought i was at a high school baseball game all over again but as for hernandez what he comes in he hits anthony rizzo and then the next batter oh, stand right he throws yeah he throws he throws to a three and three and one count against rizzo hits him or no i'm sorry two and one hits him so three balls one strike thrown in his outing and then lobs this curveball middle middle to Stanton, expects it not to get demolished. First pitch. <laughs> it, it, it was horrible to watch. I was watching on tape delay, so I already knew it was going to happen. So I could really break down exactly what I was seeing. And oh my gosh, it was. The Stanton Grand Slam was by far the loudest and most excited I've been for any any moment this year for the Yankees. Uh, that includes the Corey Kluber no-hitter, where I was pretty loud. Uh, but, yeah, that grand slam just completely, honestly, changed the season. Uh, brings us in, you know, has a big momentum boost for tonight's game, where we see Jordan Montgomery uh, face off against Eduardo Rodriguez. Both pitchers worked very well, actually. Uh, they didn't really let that many runners on base. Erod had a lot better stuff when it came to strikeout stuff, but Jordan Montgomery was not getting hit hard really at all. I don't think he allowed an, a single extra base hit. Uh, I don't think there was an extra base hit in the game until the seventh inning uh, where Rafi Devers, or it wasn't Rafi Devers. Uh, I know he did have a double. Someone had a double in the seventh. Oh, uh, Anthony Rizzo. That's right. Yep. That was the first extra base hit of the game All right. until that point. But I thought I, they I both will say, though, I don't think extra base hits do show that that much. He, he pitched very well, but there were quite a few very hard singles. Who, who's this? I mean, yeah, but yeah. he did. Oh, I'm not, I'm, not say, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just, I just think sometimes, particularly in this ballpark, if you're able to position yourself right, you can save yourself bases. Agreed. No, totally agreed. The ballpark giveth, the ballpark taketh away. Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough to navigate the lineup when you guys didn't even start Kyle Schwarber. He comes in as a pinch hitter uh, during the middle of the game. But Jordan Montgomery, I thought, looked solid. He gave us the five innings we needed. Like I said, Erod looked pretty good. 
Uh, he ends up getting tagged for two runs, though. Uh, LJ, he was good, like, up until the fifth inning when he kind of fell apart there. That's been his MO for this month. He looks really good for, for a couple innings, and then he falls apart in the fifth. Mm. Thanks, I'm, just, I'm just thankful that Cora didn't decide to be an idiot this time and bring him out for the sixth. Last time I was there, yeah, it was against uh, – Baltimore was Baltimore him or was that Mets? I think it was the Mets. Would that be enough time? Anyway, that's not not the important part of the story. But he'd got like seventy five. He he left the game. He left the fifth inning with um, having given up two earned in a very rough situation in terms of runners. It was a real jam. Eighty pitches, Brandon. Five innings, 80 pitches, just got out of a jam. That's usually about time to hang it up for the night, right? I mean, you would think, especially in, you know, the way that the managers manage today, where if you can make it through the lineup twice, doesn't really matter your pitch count, especially in this situation. You know, LJ, you, you, you would have to ask yourself the question, though, with the way that the Red Sox – bullpen has been pitching as of late you know was 80 pitches is that what he ended with i no, mean no, he's, i'm sorry tonight or that night well tonight he had 81 so that, that night they that night he brought him back out for the sixth and got himself into another jam got it but so no he ended up with 90 something but no while this weekend was not good it was not kind on the red sox bullpen as a whole, they have been very good this month. Since since the since the losing skid stopped, they have pitched very well. Just about everybody's right at the ship. Um, Barnes still needs a little bit of working out, but everybody else has been really quite solid up until this week. So yeah, I guess if I'm if I'm understanding where you're going, if if you're having the if you're going to be the manager that's going to go to a four-man rotation because you have so many rest days, mm. why would you also not be liberal with your bullpen usage? No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's the same thing tonight. Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. There's no bylaws in the MLB. There is no unwritten rule of baseball that says you can't have a guy at least stretch and get loose in the bullpen and then have him sit back down. Oh, the Yankees are the, are, are the masters of doing that, where they'll have a guy pitch two full innings just in the bullpen, and then they'll choose to bring him in. I've seen it plenty of times. So, and now, again, speaking of people who have pitched very well in the bullpen, Garrett Richards has been great. Mm. I, I absolutely, regardless of what happened tonight, I want to see him going out there for two in, an inning, two innings, very regularly throughout the rest of this year. However, I think my question becomes your this is this is Red Sox Yankees. Sunday night primetime doesn't really matter, but just to get this, a sense of the moment. You send him out there for that second inning, which is fine. He certainly has the length for it. But with it being a close game, why don't you already have somebody up in the bullpen? I would have already had somebody up in the bullpen getting ready. So in the event that, I mean, honestly, I would have done it after the first guy got on base because you've got the arms right now. There's no need to exert yourself on a couple of guys for like, for this stuff. Well, let's take the, for the people who weren't watching the game, let's take you through that bottom of the seventh inning sequence. So I believe what DJ LeMahieu drops the ball first, uh, foul territory. I actually want to go a little far further ahead of than that because. Ahead um, of that. Yeah, because I actually want to talk about, Brandon, how much, how much of our friendly little fire drill did you guys get? Did they cut to more commercial? Uh, they did. Yeah. So basically, oh, what what is it? It must have been the middle of the fourth, in the top of the fourth, top of the third or fourth. The fire alarms throughout the entire 
home home plate. Um, what would you call that? Like the uh, pavilion area, the the box seats, the grandstand, all that. That whole section starts lighting up like a bunch of fireflies while while Eddie's about to pitch. And so he just steps off and he's like, can we figure something out about this? Somebody set off a smoke alarm or something in that place. And so it was about a uh, five to seven minute delay. And we're just, mm. it was just, all right, plenty of stuff happened tonight that it wasn't expected. Frankly, I'm also very surprised as we go through this, I'm going to point out some areas that really felt painfully long. The game lasted 346. Which was shorter than yesterday's, right? Shorter than Saturday's. As far as I'm concerned, if you get a Red Sox-Yankees game in in under four hours, it's a win. Yep, easily. Which just somehow it's only those two teams (laughs) where it ends up just dragging out. It's it's crazy with them. Uh, So bottom seven, DJ drops the ball. Then... Schwarber hits a fly ball into left field. Now there's two outs, remember, two and two, two outs. Hits a very high fly ball in the left field. Joey Gallo's like kind of running in at it. Then he positions himself under the ball, and all of a sudden it just drops. Like it just hits his glove. The Yankees drop two very catchable balls in a row. That allows the Red Sox to score a run. Yankees do end up tagging out Schwarber at second, so the uh, the inning is over. So not the biggest momentum swing, but certainly big for the Red Sox to take the lead after seven innings. We go to the eighth inning where – who was it who started the eighth inning for the Red Sox prior to Otto Venus? So that was, that was Garrett Richards out there. And Richards, I believe, who was – yeah, okay, so – he walks Gio Rochella. Then they get, then they get Tyler Wade stealing. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. For the second time, first time, first time Tyler Wade gets caught stealing tonight. Which, mind you, he's supposed to be there, you know, base running specialist. But he, yeah, our base running specialist uh, forgot what, what sliding is. So, you know, we love that. Uh, just one of the dumbest plays I think I've watched on TV where I see him get the jump and I'm like, oh, he has this bag stole easily. Vasquez makes a pretty good throw, not as good as his second throw, but a pretty good throw. And Wade, thinking he's just going to be able to stand up, just tries to run into the base standing up. He then realizes like about three or four steps prior to the base, oh, shoot, (laughs) I, I should slide maybe. And then he's also thinking in his head, oh, but I'm still moving forward. If I slide, I could slide past the base, get an interference call, maybe something like that. So he just does like a little like half slide, half standing up thing, and he gets tagged out on the leg. Just very frustrating to see that. That was what was it? Did you did you think it was that good a jump? I, I haven't seen any stats on it. I, I I felt like he was dead from from the second it came. Personally, I don't know from the camera angle that they showed because they were like showing because like look, Urshela walks and then we bring on uh, Tyler Wade to pinch run for him. So it's like, all right, like the chances that he's stealing is probably pretty high. 
But then he goes on a 3-1 count, which I thought was a little weird. Usually 3-2 is kind of the spot where you you would want to steal. Goes on a 3-1 count. Uh, DJ takes the pitch. And personally, the camera angle they showed looked like he got a good jump. Uh, I'll have to look at some other angles, but I thought he got a pretty good jump. Anyways, he ends up getting out. That's the first out of the inning. DJ walks, so now there's just a runner on first base. Next up is Anthony Rizzo. He rips a double, second and third now with one out, and they bring in Adam Ottavino to face Aaron Judge in one of the craziest at-bats I've I've ever seen. Uh, Very long at-bat, gets Judge to, I believe he had him at a 1-2 count at one point. Judge keeps fouling off pitches. One of the pitches that Judge fouls off, Bobby Dahlbeck has to run all the way from first base to the warning track, like kind of behind the dugout, if that makes sense, like onto the dirt near the dugout, but behind first base. A very long run. He's unable to make the catch. Uh, was it a makeable play? Maybe. Uh, with, with as much trouble as we saw outfielders having tonight, and last night, uh, or excuse me, Friday night, uh, just trying to catch the ball. LJ doesn't seem to think that it was a very makeable play. I, Stack, I, I, I believe Stackass would would heavily uh, not agree with no, no, that. But I I misspoke. I think it was a makeable play. Mm. However, I think the play required enough effort to get into that position that I do not mind him not making the play. I, I also, because, I'm in the same. Because yeah, basically he was in line with the pitcher from right field perspective. So mm-hmm. basically playing infield in second base for the shift. So it was a, at least, at least double the distance that he would normally have to run to make that type of play. And then you add in all of the other issues that players they had all day. Yeah, and also you have to think about, like, the play happened really quick. The ball wasn't hit very high in the air. And also, when you're looking up, tracking the ball, you don't really know where the fence is. Like, you have an idea, but you don't know where the fence is. All right, very next pitch. So it's still 1-2 on Judge at this point with runners on second and third. The very next pitch, Aaron Judge foul tips the ball into Christian Vasquez's glove. Vasquez then chooses to not learn how to grab the ball out of his glove to throw it back to the pitcher, drops it in the process. Joe West, the home plate umpire, thinks that Vasquez just dropped the ball out of his glove after, like, to not secure it for the tip. In real time, I can maybe see that. In when you look at this in slow motion, Judge foul tips the ball. It hits Christian Vasquez's glove. Vasquez moves his glove to be able to grab the ball to throw it back to the pitcher because it's strike three. And he drops it. It hits the ground. Joe West goes, no, no, foul ball, foul ball. Vasquez didn't really put up much of a fight. I think it all happened so quick that – he just didn't know what actually happened. And he probably still didn't know what happened until he went and saw the, the replay. Alex Cora didn't put on much of a fight because you can't, because that's a judgment call. You're not allowed to challenge that. We saw the same thing happen. There was some uh, judgment call in a son. Oh, it was the Phillies Braves with the slide into home plate where they don't know if he touched home or not, but that's a judgment call. And they, for whatever reason. And this is one of the craziest things we've ever seen where judge basically struck out right there. Of course, they give him another pitch. He rips a double into the gap. The Yankees take the lead. Uh, before going on to the next at-bat, LJ, I mean, your whole thoughts on that that sequence, how you saw it, what you thought was happening, because on TV it was very clear, but I'm sure being there in person, there was a lot of confusion. 
Brandon, no one realized that Vasquez even dropped the ball. <laughs> I, I couldn't see it. And so I didn't know how to feel. That's why I was looking forward to seeing it, to getting your honest opinion. Thank you for being uh, very genuine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it right now. I'm not sure how somebody could drop a foul ball while their glove is facing away from the play. What I want to know, at the I mean, ball came it, out. He'd already turned his glove towards himself. I, you know, watch it in full speed because that's it's still it, it's tough to to try to figure that out in full speed. No, I mean, to be able to make one call at because that's not what you're looking. I mean, as an ump, you're also looking at other stuff than then, then you don't make, but again, that's the thing. If we're going to be honest with the fact that these umpires are human, then they should make the logical call and not try to do what, you know, the Joe West special, which is make the big call that's going to get attention. Because it, it's, it's like, for example, if you're a first or third base, wherever, umpire, and you're supposed to be checking for the check swing. If you get distracted, it it's better. It's gonna make less an, less of an impact on the game to call it a ball than it's going to necessarily say he oh he swung strike out and the inning all of that. Like there there is a more there is a better way to call things I think than making such a big ruling. But with that being said, I mean I think overall this is just. It's not. It's not good. I. I'm not gonna get. I'm not upset about. I'm not upset about it. Here's why. I genuinely don't believe that that is a winning mentality at this point in the year. Yes. One play does not, you one, know, one, affect the one whole. One play game. does not affect. Affect. It doesn't matter. The, I don't care about the game. I care about the season. You don't care about one ship. You care about the fleet. And I think this. This time of year is very different than, say, June. You can get away with complaining about a call in June. You can, if you're a co in, uh, manager, you can get away with getting thrown out in June. But when it comes time cr to crunch time, you have to be focused on winning. It, this is exactly what I've been ripping Toronto for for the last week, is their focus isn't in the right place. Stop worrying about the little things so much and just worry about winning ball games and looking good in your in each game. And the wins will come. The, the spot you want to be is probably going to come if you're going to outwork the, the teams around you for that, that 14 day stretch. So I'm not going to complain about it because I don't think that is the dif difference in the season. I don't think it's an, a good idea to be hung up on that type of thing for this. But I am going to bring up two things that are kind of hypothetical. Okay. The first one is, of course, with this. I'm not 100% sure where I stand on it. The expansion of replay review. Because, yes, some of these are judgment calls, but if we're going to have replay, it should be a tool that can solve any egregious thing that happens as far as I'm concerned. And so I've been a person who does not like as much, the less replay, the better. But if we're gonna have to have it, it needs to cover a broader scope of things than it has. So kind of like how the NFL, like where they had replay reviewing, but they couldn't review pass interference calls. And then they changed it to where you can re review every play, right? No matter what it is, you're allowed to look at it. Yeah, I think that it, it's it's fairer because I'm not convinced that is necessarily the best thing for the game. But if we're going to have it, you might as well be able to use it in its entirety. Use every every bit of the tool that's accessible. That's really where I stand on it. And this isn't the only play that there's been. There was the one you talked about earlier. There was the one, the Mets-Marlins game, where... Um, there was a, a 
encroachment on the plate or whatever that it shouldn't have been they could only challenge whether or not it hit him not whether he was leaning over the plate that's i forgot about that yeah that was like the second week of the season that's right it was he legit leaned fun. into the strike zone to win <laughs> to win the game right or then they yep. called it like that and, and they didn't call it on hit him on leaning into the strike zone because they missed that call live so all that they could challenge was whether or not it hit him and it clearly hit him but it was just a matter of where so that stuff all of it should be able to be replayed the other thing i got thinking about during this game was just an interesting fact of i'm not i don't think i like it but the three batter minimum is probably going to stay forever and i think what's even more interesting is how it's going to develop into a necessity like these unwritten rules this, this is how unwritten rules get made to an extent because we've we spent our entire lives where you could have three pitchers in an inning and that was just that was baseball that's how it worked all of a sudden we bring this three batter minimum in i got to thinking 30 years from now, if as long as this rule stays and they don't pull it out like right now, it's going to be one of those situations where if somebody says, hey, we should change it so you don't have to pitch to three batters, people would say, why would we do that? That's baseball. It's part of the game. You have to pitch to three batters. Mm. Like that perspective hadn't dawned on me before. I thought it was certainly an interesting thought process. For sure. Uh, and I feel like if that rule was not in place this game would have been a lot longer than it was because both of the managers were really going heavy strategy with with the bullpen management from the second they pulled the starters uh so much platoon matchup the yankees bring in joely rodriguez after clay holmes pitches a phenomenal inning and then the red sox immediately pinch hit schwarber to uh against Jolly Rodriguez. It's just very interesting the way that that worked. But as for what else happened in that inning, after the whole judge uh, foul tip, he rips that uh, double into left field, scores two runs. Giancarlo Stanton steps up next, uh, one of the hottest players on the planet right now. He rips a home run for his third consecutive day. Uh, he finishes the the series with three home runs, ten RBIs. He's the first player in Yankees history to have a series at Fenway Park with three home runs and ten RBIs. Uh, his also his home his combined home run a distance from his last two homers is exactly nine hundred feet. Uh, so that's two four hundred fifty foot bombs that he hit. Uh. The Adam Adovino trade was just a long con, LJ. I mean, that's that's this is why we did it. We were waiting for this specific this specific game. We knew that if the Red Sox put Adam Adovino out there, LJ, if we never traded him to you guys, he would have never been on your team to blow this game for you. Well, Brandon, I'll do you one better. I was considering earlier. You guys got absolutely by the Cubs. You're telling me the Cubs got Araldis Chapman and they got to dump Glaber Torres on you guys? Well, the Cubs, the Cubs did get Araldis Chapman. He did blow a save in Game Seven of the World Series. The Cubs did win the World Series, but they didn't and, have to deal with Glaber Torres. No, but now we got Chapman too. So <laughs> I'm not they, sure that that is a they good. Got, they got what they needed out of him, though. That's what mattered. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Yeah, uh, even though he, like I said, he did blow a save in the biggest possible moment. It worked, so. It worked. It, it, um, it was what was meant to happen. The Yankees go on to win 6-3. to three. They sweep the series. They've won five in a row. They take a one-game lead on the Red Sox. Uh, and I believe Toronto today, they did pick up a win, so they are a game behind the Red Sox, two games behind the Yankees. The Yankees have today off they will play at toronto tuesday wednesday thursday home against tampa friday saturday sunday and then the season is over the red sox is it washington first and then baltimore it's at baltimore and then at washington three games at baltimore uh with the, the red sox also have today off this monday uh, three games at Baltimore, three games at Washington. Should be two Chris Sale starts in there, right? Unless um, fingers ten. crossed, fingers crossed, one, but, one. So that way you can have him pitch in the wild. Yeah, card. that. Here's my thing, Brandon. I need you to help me figure out who I should be pulling for to win in this Yankees Toronto series, because here's my logic. I've heard a lot of people say it to me. I'm not the first one to say it they're right it certainly feels safer to not have to play the Yankees as much as fun as it would be to not have to play the Yankees in the wild card would certainly be the safer situation but at the same time it's about having your best guys out there as well and it's also about being able to just get in and I certainly think with Toronto being the team trailing right now the cleaner situation is for uh, the Yankees to be the winner in this series. Because theoretically, if I can think through the situation enough, if Boston sweeps Baltimore and New York sweeps Toronto, Toronto's eliminated before the last series of the year even. Yep, because they would be – well, they're already two games out, so they need to stay within three – yeah, within – yeah, what? No, would it be three games before the last series of the year? Because the they'd, yeah, they'd, they'd need to be th- at least three games. I don't know what the head-to-head record is. Um, it, well, let me try to head If you're tied, won't they, ju- won't they just play a tiebreaker? If you're tied. Oh, I forget that they do that. Yeah, game 163, baby. Is that completely stupid? I don't know. No, I love it. I mean, I love it, but like at the same time, you've you've played so many games. I think you have enough. You probably have enough data to figure it out. Oh, LJ, wait! Can I say that? So then, maybe a one-game wild card is not the best. No, but that, that's idea. for the ratings, Brandon. The ratings. Yeah, the ratings for game one sixty-three. Come on, I'm pulling. For, I mean, the Yankees. This is as. So the Red Sox series was must win. And because we won, that makes this Toronto series more important now. I mean, in terms of our like championship win probability, it was the highest that had been the whole year with the Stanton Grand Slam. That was the single most impactful play on our season so far, which I mean, that's not a big, that's not a shocker to me. A play in the Blue Jays series, whether it's for the good or for the bad, will be the biggest impact on our championship win probability. And it could be just a random end of the game thing, but I guarantee you something like that will end up happening. But Toronto did not do themselves any favors uh, dropping a few of those games to the twins, but LJ, shall we jump to the national? How are we on time? We're good on time. Uh, We, there's not, there's like really not much to talk about no. in the National League anymore. It's pretty much set. Headlines. Um, 
Brandon, quick production meeting right now, or you guys get another sneak peek into that. Something I thought of for this week. Do we want to start going through and doing post-mortems on these teams? Yeah. Uh, well, we were doing, we'll do a pre-post-mortem on two teams in a little bit. Uh, but I do like that idea, yes. Uh, and I think we could do, in, uh, we could group in some individual players in there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, really overall. The lost seasons the for team. some yeah, players. We just throw, yeah, throw, throw two teams in a day and we can figure it out. Well, the team that is the hottest team in the world right now in any sport, and I'm not, and, you know, I'm not a huge international sports fan outside of a couple of sports, but I'm pretty sure that there's no Brandon, team. I'm pretty sure you're forgetting that UConn has won their last two games against the spread. <laughs> against the spread. There you go. Hey, they if, if they're helping out the betters, then that's good. The Cardinals are helping out all sports betters because they have hit sweet 16, 16 games in a row. Uh, they had another comeback win today against the Cubs. Uh, they stormed back from down two to one. They tie it up in the eighth inning. They score two in the top of the ninth. 16 games in a row. And for a sport that is as volatile as baseball is. This is this is crazy, LJ. This is absolutely nuts that a team that was seemingly out of it. I mean, at the beginning of the month, September 1st, if you would have asked both of us if we thought the Cardinals were going to make the playoffs, we would have said no. And I'm 100% confident in that. Before, yeah, a couple of months ago. No, no, no. At the uh, September first. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I I didn't see it coming. I was just, excuse me. I was looking oh, to good. pull up what the original win totals we used Vegas Insider, didn't we? Yes. I actually, I still have that that uh, document. I was looking I, at it the other. I'm assuming day. we both said over because we were pretty high on St. Louis going into it. I'm trying to see if they're going to hit. Yeah, they're they were set at 86 and a half. So they've they've just they just passed it. I would have had no thought, no shot that they were gonna get to 86 wins. I took the over, yeah. Uh yeah, LJ, I'm looking at this now. Uh, we really screwed up on some of these, bud. Uh shouldn't have taken the under on Tampa or the over on the nationals. <laughs> Uh, Look, those are Tampa, probably Tampa, the two worst. Tampa has to slow down at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, we're just going to keep saying that there's only six games left. They're going to slow down at some point, LJ. They're going to hit that, that, that rough stretch. Brandon, mark my words. I will take Tampa on whatever their under is until I get it. Could be a long time. Ne next year is going to be the year. Oh, speaking of Tampa. Wander Franco returned, reached base in his 41st consecutive game today. Good. Good. The, the streak continues. That's you know, the Cardinals. You want young Franco. However, the Cardinals, they have won 16 in a row, but they are unable to win the NL Central as the Brewers clinched that with a 8-4 to four win over the Mets today. Freddie Peralta gets the W. Uh, nice win for Milwaukee. They are 32 games over 500. The largest margin they have had in franchise history in any season. 32 games over 500. That shows this team is very capable of great things. They have never won more than 96 games in a season, and they are at 94. Four right now but they do have to play st louis so that could be in jeopardy as well they do uh but uh, this is a really exciting team josh Hader's gonna win the national league reliever of the year i think that's pretty much set in stone i don't know who else you could give it to his stretch that he has been on is 
just tore it. I mean, he is the closest thing to shut down as, as you can get. Uh, he, he hasn't allowed a run since. Oh my God. He hasn't allowed a run since July 28th. So August 1st through now, zero earned runs allowed. And that's in 18 innings of work, a little over 18 innings of work since then. <laughs> and this is your closer. Yeah. Uh, I'm not – whoever signs up for the playoffs will not signs up, but I would not want to sign up to play – this team in the playoffs uh i'd rather face the yankees the red Sox, uh the rays i'd rather face the rays than yes. the uh, the uh, the brewers at this point i think definitely with that being said brandon there's a very good chance that they don't break that 96 win mark <laughs> yeah they're they're going they're going to st louis on tuesday for three games and then on friday they start three games in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. Ooh. They could sit right there at 94. <laughs> yeah. And but they won the NL Central. So but they won they won the NL Central, which is really what matters. But Corbin Burns is also slated to start that Saturday game. Are they pretty well locked? Yeah, they're yeah, it's it's the Braves. Um they're locked into the two seed. So they don't have to worry about that. They know who they're playing. Do you even start? Do you even start Burns on Saturday, or do you just give him the extra time? Um, maybe uh twice through the order and yeah, something phone. like that. Especially because I think the the DS starts on Wednesday. Wednesday and Thursday is the start of yeah. the DS. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, I mean that would work. So, uh. Yeah, why not? Have him have one last hurrah to get the Cy Young, which he pitched really good last night. He's going to get it. This dude is awesome. Love him and love this team. LJ, we certainly have a lot of friends who are who are our Brewers fans, and they are pretty excited for the for this. We also have a lot of people on this podcast that are Willie Adamas fans, so. Two for three with three RBIs today, LJ. He's and the menace. He cannot be stopped. Only hope to be contained. Put some respect on his name. And he comes from Tampa, of course. Today, the Rays fans started chanting "Move to Tampa" uh, during the middle of the game, which I thought was pretty amusing at their own ballpark. Oh, no, did no. you? Yeah, did you um, talk about that at all yesterday? I did not know the Rays plan to for their last series of the year, the last couple of series of the year at home, put a banner up at the ballpark that shows what a logo of Tampa and Montreal coalition team would look like just trying so to add happening. unnecessary fuel to the fire. So it's happening. <laughs> like the Tampa fans aren't wrong is the thing. Just no. if you moved to Tampa, all of this would be so much better. <laughs> the St. Pete thing makes no sense. When, when, when you actually learn the ge geography of the area, being in St. Pete makes absolutely no sense. Not even close to where they supposedly call home. If, if you have to get gas to make sure you're able to get from one place to another, effectively then you're not in the same place you just don't well lj with the brewers win over the mets they have been eliminated from playoff contention with the padres loss to the braves yesterday in extra innings they have been eliminated from playoff contention uh certainly the two two teams we're going to be talking about on our post-mortem uh shows Padres especially. LJ, I wanted to bring this up uh, at least briefly now, because if you remember the Mets in spring training, they, uh, at the end of one of their practices, they chose to practice celebrating winning the World Series. 
and as they sit here now with a 73 and 82 record, uh, yeah, you know, Luis Rojas and his just the entire Mets organization with another year where it seems like there's no way that this can go wrong. Like there's no way more can go wrong. And then their GM gets a DUI coming from the owner's house with players that were also there. Uh, yeah, it's an absolute mess. It's the Mets, baby. LOL Mets. Do you want to try to do this right now for them? They're post. I mean, I feel like their postmortem is we could go pretty deep into it. We could okay. there's there's just too much stuff to 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 talk about with, with so many just oh the, the sad thing is I'm trying to figure out who I pick for like the disappointment of the year. There's a lot. There's a lot. And it's not even like a disappointment for some of them. It's just like injuries, just like like they got screwed with injuries, no doubt. But no, but then you have guys they like went from the best offense in the league to whatever that is now. Yeah, because you got the Joker out there clowning around at shortstop with his buddy. And oh. uh yeah, thumbs down, man. Yeah. Woo. Those two are bad news. I that is the thing I regret most saying on this show this year was that we need more best friends teaming up on teams together. Bad idea. It's gone so wrong already. It has gone so poorly. I am so sorry that I suggested this. You got him, Taewon Walker. We haven't talked about it. And he was an all-star. What an epic collapse. Brandon, like, this has been one of the – I'm not – I can't definitely say – all time because I have not done enough research into this. This is the worst half year collapse I've seen. Um, seven seventy four ERA in the second half versus a two six six ERA in the first. He was a Cy Young contender at the All Star break. <laughs> it's two completely different pitchers. That's jarring yeah that's that's a good word for that jarring for sure his his whips up half half a point uh 500 that is or actually no it's exactly it's exactly 400 but either way that's this is this has been an embarrassment after looking like it was such a great move from management to be able to bring this guy in such a steal to get him this is not what you wanted at all. Well, the LA Dodgers won their hundredth game of the year today. They beat Arizona three nothing. Uh, in the top of the first inning, Corey Seager goes yard to hit his one hundredth career home run, and then Trey Turner goes yard back to back, and it's Trey Turner's one hundredth career home run as well very cool for them to do it in back-to-back fashion also I think it's worth noting that uh the Dodgers LJ out of their first six hitters four of them are like leadoff hitters I mean it was Betts Seager Turner was their top three today those guys are all like who I would expect to see hitting first and then they have Chris Taylor who has done his fair share of leading off for them and was an all-star this year hitting fifth. Uh, it's like the red, it's it's like the mid season Red Sox, but good. Everybody leads off. Yeah. Instead of having like what the Red Sox had where they had like probably six guys who could hit third. It's just, they have six guys who can hit first, but the Dodgers win their 100th game. They still can't catch up to the Giants. Every time they get close, it's like two opposite ends of a magnet or two same ends of two two magnets where you like try to push them close together and then they just repel each other. That's, that's the Dodgers and Giants. Uh, 
as soon as the Dodgers get anywhere close to them, the Giants are like, nope, we're just going to win four in a row and you're going to lose two in a row. And now we have a two-game lead. So there you go. They're like opposite ends of a magnet. No matter how hard you try, you only end up breaking your magnet. (laughs) Well, LJ, should we get to players of the week and then we can get out of here? Yes, you can go ahead and take the lead on this one. All right. uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with Juan Soto. Fairly obvious. Uh, I, you know, close to picking Giancarlo Stan, but Juan Soto this week, I mean, he had a 332 weighted runs created plus. (laughs) He was 220, 232% better than the average hitter. With his slash line of 500, 686, slugging percentage of 1.136, which makes his OPS, uh, what's that, 1,800, 1,700 for the week? And four home runs, uh, he ends up walking in 37% of his 35 plate appearances in seven games. Uh, I think it was Marcus Stroman who said that he's the best hitter he's ever faced. And it's, and it's not even close. He said that he's faced a lot of like good players and good pure hitters over his career, but no one even comes close to Juan Soto, which fairly high praise for a guy who's been pitching since what, like 2014 or something like that. So Yep. Um, on my end, yeah, I'm going to end up going with Harrison Bader mm. of the St. Louis Cardinals. The guy slashed 517, 548, 931 with two home runs and seven RBIs, along with two stolen bases over eight games. That with a positive defensive impact here that got him to one war even on the week. But rather than go too far into his stuff here, I do want to just point out a couple of honorable mentions that it kind of pained me not to bring up. Max Freed goes 2-0 this week with 16 shutout innings. Um, Just slightly worse than that. Ranger Suarez, 1-2-0 ERA over 15 innings one and one so both of those guys they're pitching for the playoffs and they're certainly both they're both earning their spot only one's going to get it but they're earning it and can we talk about a ranger suarez for a minute because he's thrown 99 innings this year and has a one four five era and a five war a five war he is one of the best players on this team, like behind Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper, I, I think he has the most war behind those two. Oh, it certainly makes sense at 5.5. Uh, and speaking of war, LJ, we haven't given an update on the overall player landscape. We have a battle between four players for Fangraph's war, and it's anyone's ball game. So. Vladdy Jr. leads with 6.7. Behind him is a three-way tie for second at 6.6 between Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Marcus Simeon. Others that are in the mix. Now, remember, we just, LJ, every week we see players put up a full war, right? It's certainly very, very doable. Other players that are within a full war, Jose well, Ramirez at 6.3. Would it would it be more beneficial to say half war? Because these other guys are also going to. Yeah, that's fair. Problem. All right. So if we do half war, then you get Jose Ramirez at 6.3. Tatis at 6.2. And I'll throw in Trey Turner at 6.1. Uh, the top seven, there's, there's still a lot of movement to be had, I think. Uh, This is going to affect MVP voting definitely this last week. Uh, Excited to see how this 
plays out. A lot of storylines still left to talk about for sure uh, in this last week. Brandon, I'd like to expound on this more tomorrow, but the more I think about it, the more I'm becoming bothered by the MVP for baseball. And it's mostly baseball's fault that I'm becoming bothered by it. It's just, I think it's become way too literal. Everything has become so literal because of statistics in baseball that we need to start redefining these things. How do you define the MVP? Me personally? Yeah. Um, if you were to take that guy off of your team, how good or bad is your team? Like how, I guess it's like, pretty simple how much value does that player bring to your specific team regardless of how good the team is already like I could really care less if it's a player on a terrible team if when you take him off that team they are more they are worse off than if uh you were to take any other player off of their team that guy's the most valuable player to me that's what the award is it's most valuable player. It's not best. It's who has the most value to your team. And that's why Shohei Otani is a very easy pick for AL. Well, yes. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here because the way I see it is more of you can be valuable to a team, but if that value isn't getting you anywhere, is that really value? Like, I still think so because I don't, I don't know. know. I just think it gets, I can see where things get a little too, it's black and white to an extent, which forces people to go into the wrong areas of gray for these decisions because it doesn't, I don't think it helps people's logic that baseball literally has a stat that is its sole purpose. And it's one of the, one of baseball's best stats the sole purpose of it is to assess a player's value in terms of wins. So like it gets into that stuff. And then you really have to like, in my opinion, I don't know. I just, unless it's a fantastic season, like ridiculous, I would struggle to take a guy on an uncompetitive team who is having comparable numbers to a guy who's in a, position to be in the playoffs, a playoff position. That's very fair. I mean, Shohei Otani, historic year. I don't think you can not, you couldn't not give it to him. There's certain guys who, if you're going to have this crazy year, you deserve the MVP regardless of your, your team's success. But I personally think that the, the national league, I think is, a better case study for this with a guy like Juan Soto. Um, I want to say last I checked, Bryce Harper was somewhere around 5.7 war. Juan Soto's at 7.2 war, but... 7.2 baseball reference. Fangraphs yes. at 6.6. Six. Okay. So either way, that's a that's a pretty large disparity, but I just... I think I can find a lot of hidden value there in Bryce Harper's game when you consider when he peaked. That's something that isn't weighted into wins above replacement is when you're playing your best baseball. And Bryce Harper has been lights out in this back half of the year as Phillies pushed themselves back to at one point leading the division and now possibly in a position to win the division again, once again outright. That means a lot more. I think overall his leadership experience means a lot more than a 5.7 reference war. So that's, that I think is really the interesting case here. I haven't really taken a good enough look through. I want to basically, my goal is make a list of everyone I think is worthy of consideration and then go from there. But if, I have to feel he's the front runner at this point. So I don't know if this changes it for you, but when the Nationals were still trying, so 
July 1st, right? Because they hadn't traded away everyone at, at that point. Since then, which is the last 77 games for Juan Soto, he has a 1,200 OPS since July 1st. So even when they were in it, he was still going crazy, which it, it certainly means something to me. Um, it's I totally get the point, though, because most people, if you walked on the street in a big baseball city that's not Washington and you ask them who Juan Soto is, they genuinely have no idea, no clue, no clue who this guy is. And he, we have a pitcher saying he's the best player he's ever faced. Now, is this a marketing issue? Like, I don't even think yeah. at that point, it's like, no, his team sucks. Like, look at the Nationals. Look at the team he plays on. They're, they're 64 and 92. And this is the most valuable guy in the league. Like, how did this happen? LJ, what I find funny the National League batting titles come down to three players. That is Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and Bryce Harper. Wouldn't it be crazy if they were all on the same team? Like, imagine if Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and Bryce Harper all played on the same team together. That would be, geez. That. You just didn't have to do that. How could that team ever like not make make you know a deep run in the playoffs? And especially check this out, that team probably also would have had Max Scherzer on it too. Max Scherzer, you say, huh? That. Hmm. Huh. I'll have to look into the 2018 Washington Nationals one day and see. What happened? Oh, yeah, I forgot. They also had another $310 million player, too, with Big Tony. So, hey, Tony. Always got to get a little, little spot. Got the bag and dipped from baseball, basically. All right. Uh, I think that's a good spot to call it for the day. Thank you all for listening. Check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.